in your heart. You're here, you're at church, you're worshiping the Lord, but you know, and God knows, that there are some issues there. Church is the best place for you to be. So I don't want you for one second to feel that, oh, I shouldn't be here. No, you should be here today. Because God wants you here to hear this. But the reality is, is that for a lot of us, we're here, we're in church, we're fellowshipping with believers, but what we're doing outside of Sundays, outside of our meetings, is betraying of the truth. Most people desire intimacy and protection and love. Jesus offers all those things, yet many will seek it apart from him, even as it leads to self-destruction. Today, Pastor Daniel examines the paths of Judas and his betraying heart. No one except Jesus had an inkling that Judas was the betrayer because he was great at looking, speaking, and acting like an apostle, but his heart was divided. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 23, with part one of his message entitled, How's Your Heart? You know, when Lynn and I first got married, now almost eight years ago, I remember when you just marry someone, you don't really know all of their mannerisms or the way that they speak or the, the way that they express things. And I know that for... My wife, Lynn, she grew up in California. I grew up in New Jersey. And I remember I would come home from the office and she'd say to me, you know, Daniel, how's your heart this morning? Now, it's a sweet thing to say, right? How's your heart? But for a guy from New Jersey, I mean, let's just be honest, you just didn't talk like that, you know? And so, you know, I grew up in a very sarcastic family. And so I'd respond to her normally something like, well, you know, it's in the center of my chest, you know, it's beaten, you know, at a nice steady pulse, kind of comfortable. And she would be like, oh, come on, Daniel, you know what I mean. You know, and it's a great question, though, isn't it? How's your heart? And as Pastor Bill and I, as we're in this series called The Mission, what we're doing is this. You all know, those of you who have been here at Crossroads for a while, that, that the foundation of our church, the vision of our church is knowing, growing, and showing. And you've heard that it's on your bulletin, it's on the signs on the outside of the door. And as we begin this next chapter, we really wanted to take some time and, and put the mission of Crossroads front and center. And so we began this first section, which is called Knowing. And then after we're done with this, then we're going to do a series on Growing. And then we're going to do, finally, a series on Showing. As we looked at John chapter 13, talking about what Jesus has done. Remember, Bill gave us, a, gave us all a word last week that we had come up with. It's the word divintimacy. Do you remember that? Divintimacy. And divintimacy means intimacy with the divine. Intimacy with God. And so we're spending time looking at this. Now, we saw, of course, that Jesus taught us how God seeks to have intimacy with us. And he did it by serving us, by, by blessing us, that, that he was humble enough to wash the disciples' feet. Now, what's interesting is God desires intimacy with us. We all know, whether we articulate it or not, that we desire intimacy with God. 
and with people. And when I'm speaking of intimacy, I'm not just speaking of physical intimacy, but true heart connection with people. Isn't that, don't we long for that? We long to know and be known. Now, on God's end of the spectrum, God has done everything that needs to be done for us to know him. So if God has done everything that needs to be done in order that we would know him, then the issues with our divintimacy, our intimacy with God, it's not on God's side of the wall that the problem is. Really, the problem is where? If we're honest, it's on our side of the wall. God has done everything that is necessary for us to know him, but the struggle doesn't come on God's side, it comes on our side. And it's amazing that after that great picture of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, as we continue on here in John chapter 13, we get this next piece of the puzzle, which is the human heart. Now, I wanted to put a scripture verse over this section, and that would be Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, where it says this. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. It's a great scripture, isn't it? Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. In this text, we're exhorted that we need to mind our heart. We need to keep a guard over our heart. We need to keep a, a watchful eye on our hearts, because out of our hearts spring the issues of life. And that's important for us, isn't it? Because if you think about what the heart is in biblical language, the heart is not referring to the blood pumping organ in the center of our chest, but the heart really is the control center of your human life. It takes the information from the feelings, from the intellect, the information from the body, and in the heart, in, in the Bible, it's actually, you'll laugh, it, in the Hebrew, it's actually the bowels. In Hebrew culture, it was the bowels. Now, when we think of bowels, it has a whole other implication, doesn't it? If I said, keep your bowels with all diligence, you'd be like, hey, now, Pastor Daniel, come on now. But even in the, in the old Hebrew, when they use the word bowels, they're not speaking of what we think of as bowels. They're speaking of that place that's the control center of the human life where the eternality of who we are in God meets with the naturality of who we are on a day-to-day -day basis. It's where all the information from all of the senses and the Spirit of God intersect and decisions are made. So for each one of us, we need to keep our heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. And so today we're going to see three different types of hearts from John chapter 13, verses 18 to 38. I'm going to tell you the three of them, and then we're going to unpack it verse by verse here. First, we have Judas and the betraying heart. That begins in verse 18, and that continues on to verse 30. Judas and the betraying heart. Next, from verses 31 to 35, we have Jesus and his exhortation to his apostles and to us to have a loving heart. So you could say it's the church and the loving heart. And then finally, in verses 36 to 38, we have Peter and the denying heart. So we have Judas and the betraying heart, the people of God, the church, and the loving heart. 
and then Peter and the denying heart. Now, before we start, I need to make a point, and it's an important point, and I want to make sure that we really get this. Jesus died on a cross because all of us have heart problems. All of us do. There is not one person in the world, save Jesus alone, who does not have a terminal heart condition where their heart betrays them. Their heart denies Jesus in it. So the reality is what we're going to look at, all of us, if we're honest, are going to see aspects of each one of these at work in our own heart. But I don't want you to walk away and you hear this, you think, oh no, this is a mess. The reality is, is yes, it's a mess, but Jesus died and rose again. This is why we believe in Jesus in the first place, because we all struggle in our hearts. Our hearts are not as they ought to be, but God still loves us so much that he would send his son to come and die on a cross to forgive us for the mistakes that we've made. So as we see in each one of these types of hearts, as we see ourselves in there, I want to encourage you not to despair, but to simply return to God and say, God, I'm sorry. Let me know your forgiveness in Jesus afresh. Let, let the conviction of the Holy Spirit, as, as he speaks to our hearts, let it drive us into the arms of Jesus. Satan wants to take that that conviction, and he wants to condemn us. He wants to take it, and he wants to push us down. Jesus wants to reveal to us our struggles, and he wants to draw us closer to him. So let's never forget the grace of God as we spend some time letting the Spirit of God probe our hearts. So let's look here. In John chapter 13, beginning in verse 18, it says this, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes that when it comes to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me me. Now, we begin here with Jesus reminding his disciples that there is somebody in their midst who is the betrayer. Now, we know he's speaking of Judas, but he quotes Psalm 41 verse 9. But he makes this point. He quotes scripture. He's like, look, one of you is going to be betraying me, and he's going to speak about this a little bit more in a second. But what's going on here is that, notice what he says in verse 19. He says, now I tell you before it comes to pass, that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Now listen, it's important. Belief is our key to divintimacy. Belief is our key to divintimacy. See, God has done everything. We just need to simply believe and trust that he will do what he has said we will do. And isn't it the truth that in our struggles with sin, it almost always comes back to faith, doesn't it? We desire intimacy, 
And God has promised it, but yet we're looking for it in another area. God has promised he'll take care of us, but we start to doubt that he can take care of us. So we go and try and take care of ourselves. We don't know what to do. And instead of trusting in God, we take it upon ourselves. So for you and I, it's important to remember, belief is our key to divintimacy. We need to simply trust that God can do what he said he will do. Belief is our key. Now in verse 20, look at what it says. It says, most assuredly I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. He who receives me receives him who sent me. To receive the messenger is to receive the sender. And to receive the sender is to receive God. Now, I know we live in a day and age. We live in what they would call a pluralistic society. We live in a society where everyone's information, everyone's belief structure, everyone's opinion in the public sphere holds equal weight. Now, it's not a bad thing in a free country to have that as a premise. But the reality is, is just because it's someone's opinion doesn't make it a fact. So although we should be respectful of other people's opinions. Jesus makes it very clear that there's only one God and there's only one way to God and that is through Jesus, through himself. Either Jesus is the greatest egomaniacal narcissist who ever lived or he is the son of God. And every person, no matter where you are on the faith spectrum right now, if you are a true seeker, you're going to come and you're going to look at Jesus and you're going to have to deal with that. Just people always say, oh, you know, yeah, Jesus is great, great teacher, really respectable. I'm like, but why haven't you even dealt with what he's saying? There's nothing worse than to call somebody a great teacher and never actually interact on any level with what they said. Jesus makes it very clear that there is one God and there is one way to God and that is through him. And I know for me, before I became a Christian, that was a huge thing. Because I'm reading Jesus, and I'm like, look, I'm not going to try and pasteurize Jesus, make Jesus culturally acceptable. Let's just see what he says and deal with it. And he starts saying things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And I was like, oh, no. That's not a culturally appropriate statement in 20th century America when I was reading it, or even more so now. But he said it. He said it. Now, as we move into verse 21, we're really going to focus down on this and the betraying heart. Look at what happens. When Jesus had said these things, verse 21, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, most assuredly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciple looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then, leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is he whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. For some thought because Judas had the money box that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast 
or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately, and it was night. So Jesus, he tells them that this is going to happen. It's going to fulfill scripture. And then he just comes straight out and says it. Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. The first thing we learn about the betraying heart is this, that the betraying heart begins with duplicity. See, Judas hid his true intentions completely. See, Judas was very much part of the apostolic band. He was treated by Jesus exactly the same as everybody else. It wasn't like Jesus said, one of you will betray me, and the disciples said, it's Judas. We know it's Judas, because Judas is a charlatan. Or, and it speaks about how amazing the love of Jesus was, Jesus knew Judas would betray him the whole time, and yet they never say, oh, we know it's Judas because Jesus doesn't like Judas. Jesus treats Judas differently than everybody else. No. They had no clue who it was. And the betraying heart begins with duplicity. For some of us in here today, let's be honest. You are a divided person. You're here today. And don't get me wrong. If you're the person I'm talking about, right? And, and there's a division in your heart. You're here. You're at church. You're worshiping the Lord. But you know, and God knows, that there are some issues there. Church is the best place for you to be. So I don't want you for one second to feel that, oh, I shouldn't be here. No, you should be here today. Because God wants you here to hear this. But the reality is, is that for a lot of us, we're here, we're in church, we're fellowshipping with believers, but what we're doing outside of Sundays, outside of our meetings, is betraying of the truth. Judas was really good at looking like an apostle, speaking like an apostle, acting like an apostle. But in his heart, his heart was divided. He had other cares. So this betraying heart begins with duplicity. Now in verse 23, look at what happens. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Now listen, I have an action step for you. You want to you do battle against the betraying nature of your own heart? Right here. Just what John is doing. I love this. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Here's an action step. Snuggle into Jesus and know the love. Snuggle into Jesus and know the love. Now, Pastor Bill last week mentioned there, they didn't sit around a table very formal. It, it wasn't like tea, you know, uh, formal tea time. They would recline. I kind of like this. We should bring this back. You know, where you kind of lean in, you got like one arm down, just kind of eat. It sounds fun, doesn't it? It, it would make the siesta much easier. Because you can just kind of put your head down and just doze off for a little bit. But it's amazing that we have John the Apostle. He's right next to him and he's putting his head on the, on the chest of Jesus. When was the last time we snuggled in to Jesus? When was the last time we said, Lord, I just want to be that close to you? Now, I know for some of you guys, you're like, Pastor Daniel, snuggle in and know the love. Like, come on. 
But you know what? My seven-year-old son, Obadiah, he's a little dude. There's nothing my son doesn't love more than snuggling in with his Abba. There's nothing he doesn't like more than in the morning he comes on down like, give me a hug. And he doesn't, you know, he's at that age where he doesn't just give me like the, the fist pump and okay, dad. But he comes in, he puts his head on my chest and I'm like, man, how'd you sleep? And he'll tell me some crazy stories about things that he was dreaming about, like creating Lego monsters and all these things. But you know, for a lot of us, it's been a long time since we snuggled in and knew the love of God. I mean, talk about divintimacy. John, right there where he needed to be in the heart of Jesus. I love this. John called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, the beloved apostle. Do you think that was only for John? Or do you think John was clued in to how God wants all of us to see ourselves? When was the last time someone said, hey, so what's, what's your name and what do you do? And you say, insert your name. My name is, and I'm a disciple whom Jesus loves. That is a proper self-assessment of any person who calls themselves by the name of Jesus. I could say, my name is Daniel, a disciple whom Jesus loves. For a lot of us, we struggle trusting that God loves us as he actually does. But God loves radically. Now look at what else happens. Verse 24, Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask him who it was of whom he spoke. And leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord Who is it? I love this. Peter's looking at John and saying, ask Jesus who it is. That's what he's doing. Now, action step number two to battle against the betraying nature of our hearts. Second, action step number two, ask the question. Brothers, sisters, ask the question. One of the other gospel accounts says that all the disciples ask, is it I, Lord? See, the reason a lot of our hearts betray us and betray our relationship with Jesus is because we're not willing to ask the question, Lord, what area of my life is unbecoming? Lord, what area of my life do you not get radical joy in? Are you willing to ask the question? See, you know what's amazing is that when you ask the question and when God answers the question, he never answers it in a condemnatory way. He wants us to understand where our struggles lie so that he can heal it, so that he can do something amazing in and through our lives. And that's an awesome, awesome thing. Awesome. Amazing. So are we willing to second ask the question, Lord, is it I? And look at verse 26. Now Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. The third action step is simple. Trust Jesus' identification. They asked, Who is it? Jesus said, Listen, whoever I dip the bread and give it to, that's the person. Jesus desired to identify the betrayer amongst him. So if you are willing to ask the question as action step number two is, action step number three, trust Jesus' identification. Jesus is real. In today's teaching, Pastor Daniel began to examine several conditions of the heart. The betraying heart, the loving heart, and the denying heart. We all have heart problems, which is why Jesus came to die for us. 
God promises intimacy and protection, but we go looking for it in other places. As we heard, Judas followed Jesus, but was following after other things for security. His heart was divided. Thanks for listening to us on Freedom Radio Network. I wanted to wish you a very happy holidays and a very Merry Christmas. I really appreciate that you are part of the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. I always like to say that we're traveling the path together. And as 2015 comes to a close, we especially remember that Jesus is real. He really lived, he really died, and he really rose again, that you and I may partner with God to transform our community and our world. So God bless you. Join Pastor Daniel in the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio when we'll learn the rest of the story of Judas and the betraying heart, as well as about the other conditions of the heart alluded to in this message. We'll find that the loving heart is focused on God's glory, and we have to love with that in mind. If we're focused on our own glory, we only love if we get it in return. It's conditional. Find out next time how to love the right way. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series entitled The Mission, Knowing. Next time, until then, may God bless you.